The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. This morning, if you're our guest, we want to welcome you in the seat in front of you. There's what we call a Connect card. It's a way that you might be able to let us know that you'd like information about First Conyers, the ministry here, and our our mission. There's also a QRC code. You know, you got used to those during the COVID time, right? You go to the restaurant and there's a QRC code. You don't take a picture of it. You just put your phone there and it will bring up a place for you to give information and we'll be glad to get back with you and let you know of the ministry here at First Conyers. Well, this morning we remember that, that we're here to worship Him. That's our main reason for being here. That is our main reason for being here. Amen? To worship Him. We worship Him in our song and expression of song and Boy, I was reflecting on the songs this morning and was taken back uh, to the time that I came to know Christ. And I'm so thankful that someone and God providentially ordered a way that I might be able to hear the gospel. And by his grace, he gave me the faith to be able to respond and trust Jesus Christ. Are you thankful that he did that in your life? If you are, just tell him, thank you, Lord. We worship him in song. We're going to worship him through the word in just a moment. We also worship him in our giving. And so I want to pray over our offering this morning as we give, not out of compulsion, but we give as an act of worship to the Lord, uh, giving back that percent, that part of what he's given us so that we can be engaged in the mission to win, disciple, and sin. And that's the way that we trust God to do that through our giving. And so let's pray over our offering. Father, we thank you so much for giving to us so abundantly. God, we thank you that, uh, Father, you have made a way that we can worship you in giving back, God. And, Lord, it's by faith and trust that we believe, God, that you use our giving, Father, so that others may come to know Christ, to be disciples of Christ, and, Lord, to then make other disciples here in our own community and around the world. Father, we thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tomorrow is a day that I am so thankful we as a nation set aside to recognize those who have paid the ultimate price to pay for our freedoms and the liberties that we have in this nation. But as a Christ follower, as much as I love our, our liberties and our freedom, the thing that I'm most grateful for in this nation is that as a body of Christ, we have the freedom to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others might be able to become citizens of a kingdom that will never fade away, and that's the kingdom of Christ. And I make it a point, and I have to say this every year as a veteran, uh, I say, do not recognize me on Memorial Day. There's a day set aside for that. But today, tomorrow, we recognize those who paid the ultimate price for our freedom. And we thank God that he has made a way that we as a nation can continue to be salt and light to the world. We are still the greatest light in this world to the proclamation of the gospel. And we're so thankful for that. We pray that we would never lose that. Amen. And so let's pray and just thank the Lord for not only those who willingly gave their lives, men and, and service women all throughout the wars, and also families that relinquished and released those so that we might enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy. Father, thank you. Thank you so much, God, 
uh, Lord, for the liberties and the freedoms that we have in this nation. God, uh, Father, inalienable rights, God, that you have given to every human being. And God, while we are not a perfect nation, God, we pray that, God, you would continue to move in the hearts of men and women, God, across this nation, Father, particularly in the body of Christ. God, to take advantage of the freedoms that you have given us so that we might share Christ with others so that they would come to know him, that they would become disciples of him, and Lord Jesus, that they would then go and make other disciples. We know, Lord, that your return is at hand. It can happen at any moment. God, while we don't know the day, and Lord, you may tarry another 200 years, Father, we don't know. But God, in the time that we have in our lifetimes, God, let us be faithful to the witness and the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I was reflecting on a couple of the songs this morning and thinking back 39 years ago. Um, on this particular weekend, 39 years ago, my wife and I were driving from uh, Vallejo, California uh, to Reno, Nevada, I had known Sandy for about six weeks and only had two weeks with her. But we were doing one of the craziest things I think I'd ever done in my life. On a Thursday night, she asked me to marry her. I first said, I don't know about this. But I thank God that God was drawing us in his providence because as I reflected, we drove to Reno and it was the first time in our short relationship that we ever had a conversation about God. Neither one of us knew the Lord. We were both living lives that, um, that if I shared them with you, you'd boot me out as a pastor right now. But God in his providence took us there and within a year, we came to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And that was 39 years ago today. And so I'm thankful that God saved us more than anything. I'm thankful for the marriage. I jokingly say I have put up with a lot for 39 years. But I'm thankful that Jesus saved us. And I'm thankful that we're able to sit here this morning in worship of him and reflect back on that time when Jesus became more than just a word, but became our Savior. Can you thank him that he's more than just a word to you, that he's your Savior? Last week, I began sharing a message from Luke chapter 10 entitled, Send, and I want to finish that this morning. If you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 10, and I'm going to refresh our memory by reading this passage beginning in verse 1 through verse 12. Uh, briefly recap a couple of the points I made last week and then finish it out with the other points that I see in this passage as it relates to us communicating the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, Jesus came in Matthew in Mark chapter 1 and, and he stated, uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. As Sarah was singing in the song that, that he came and not only to rule as, a, as an earthly king, but as a, a savior king in our hearts to rule and reign. That is the kingdom of God, that he rules and reigns in our hearts. And we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 10. He says, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was going to go. 
And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful. And he's using an agricultural word picture here to, to point to the fact that it was time for harvest. You remember when he was with the woman at the well, look up for the fields are wide unto harvest, meaning that harvest time is every time, all the time, when it relates to the kingdom of God. There's not a particular season or time where we say, okay, now we're, we're going to go out and have a harvest. We're going to go out and reap the harvest. But the Bible teaches us that the harvest is every single day and every single week and every single month and, and every single year that we have breath in these lungs that we might share the gospel. He says, the harvest is white. It's ready to be harvested. But then he says, therefore, in the fact that the harvest is there and it's ripe and it's ready to be reaped. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord. Now, I want to stop and pause here for just a moment. While we have a commission to go and make disciples, the first thing that Jesus tells these 72 as they're about to go out, he says, but I want you to pray earnestly. Last week, I left you with an assignment. Does anybody remember what that was? That assignment was that every day last week, we were all to pray and ask God, God, give us an opportunity this day, every single day, to either plant a seed of the gospel in somebody's heart. If we recognize that a seed has been planted there, that God, you would give us the wisdom and the discernment to know how to cultivate that seed. And that seed in an individual's heart is the seed of the word of God, the gospel, that we would be intentional to pray every day. And then if God, by his grace, would allow us to witness him save someone, notice I say him save one, we don't save anybody. We are simply faithful to share the story and God does the saving. But he says here, pray earnestly to the Lord. And so I would say the first thing that we need to be conscious of on a daily basis as a Christ follower, that before our feet hit the floor, we ask the Lord, God, give me an opportunity today in some way that I might be able to plant a seed of the gospel in somebody's heart. Then he goes on to say, therefore, pray earnestly for the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so he's not only saying that the harvest is ready, but our prayers need to be send out the laborers. And I would propose to you that the first one we ask that God would send out as a laborer is you, yourself, and I. That we ask God, God, use us. Do we recognize and realize that it's by God's grace? Let me say that again. It is by God's grace that he wants to use you and I to share the gospel message. If you knew how much of a bonehead I am, you would realize that it is by God's grace that he wants to use me and he wants to use you to share the gospel. It is by God's grace, the same grace that we have been exhibited by God that unmerited favor where he saved us, that we would have that grace that we might be those that go out into the harvest field. He says, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out. Notice here, he is sending us out. The king of kings, 
the Lord of Lords, the one who created everything in existence and the one who holds it all together, he has commissioned you and I to be his ambassadors and he's given a command by his grace that we go out. Notice he doesn't say go into the church doors, close the doors and then try to witness your other, to your other Christian friends. But he says we're to go out. I love the signs that we used to have at a church that I worshiped at for several years, Glenwood Hills Baptist Church. Some of you remember it. But as we would leave the parking lot, there were signs at every exit that says, you are now entering your mission field. You see, as I said last week, what we get here on Sunday morning in the edification of the saints, and that's the reason for the body coming together so that we might be encouraged and exhorted in the Lord, but we do that so that we might go out and be salt and light and witnesses to Jesus as we go on our way. Notice he says here, I'm sending you in the midst, like lambs, in the midst of wolves. We're going to come back to that in a minute. Carry no money bag no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him, but if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages, and do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, here it is, this is what we're proclaiming, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And so every time that we have an interaction, every time that we're able to share our story, we've got to keep in mind that, yes, salvation is is what we're desiring for individuals, but we're desiring that they might be saved, rescued from their sins and the penalties of sin, and they might enter in now to the kingdom of God, the one that will last forever and ever and ever. Now, we all want this kingdom, this United States kingdom, to last for all of eternity. But can I tell you that that's not what I'm wishing for? That's not what I'm praying for. I'm praying for the kingdom of God to be built because kingdoms come and kingdoms go. History shows that throughout all of the course of history. But the kingdom, according to this book that will last forever, is the kingdom of God where he will rule and he will reign forever and ever and ever. And so the kingdom of God is at hand. They're proclaiming, verse 10, But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, here's the second time he repeats it, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, last week, we started looking at five things that we can, we can glean from this passage that, that share with us some things about us sharing the gospel, sharing the kingdom of God. The first thing that we said that, that he noticed he sent them out two by two. And, and there's a particular reason, I think, for that in that a three-strand cord is not easily broken. You see, it's you, it's me, and it's the Holy Spirit of God. 
I shared the story that as Sandy and I, years ago, were street witnessing in San Diego, how one of us would pray and the other one would witness, because in that, we know that when someone comes to Christ, it's not my words that are going to convince them to place their trust in Christ. God will use our words, and he'll use his word to prick their heart. But it's the Holy Spirit of God that works in a lost individual's heart to draw them and bring them to faith in Christ. I did not decide to follow Jesus. I responded to the gospel as the Holy Spirit of God was working in my heart. Apart from his work in the individual's heart, no one will come to know Christ. But it's his work, and it's his work alone. Again, our responsibility is to be faithful to share that story. We said this, that in verse 2, he, he calls us to pray for laborers so that as they go out, they might declare the kingdom of God. Now, I want to make a point in this that I, that I didn't make last week, and it is this, that no one mostly comes to Christ through osmosis. I know we like to quote what Francis Frangipane said a couple of millennial ago, where he made the statement, share Christ at all times, and if necessary, use words. Now, I understand what Francis, Fran, not Francis Frangipane, it was, see, there goes my mind again. St. Francis of Assisi, St. Francis. I understand what he meant by that, but the Bible tells me and he tells you that there is a witness that you and I are called to proclaim. It's, it's one thing, yes, to say that we want to love people and the great command is to love God and love your neighbor, so mated. But listen, there are a lot of pagan, immoral folks that I know that show love. And love can be misconstrued depending on what, where it's coming from or what the motivation is. And so, yes, we're to love individuals, we're to serve individuals. But he tells us in, in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by the hearing of the Word of God. I can remember years ago, I think it was 1985 or 86, I was in Mexico City and we had gone there to a prison to witness and if you know me, the only thing I know in Spanish is buenos dias, como esta, muchachos. That's about the limitation of it. And so here I am in a prison in Mexico, and I'm trying to share with the inmates, and I was over against a fence in the courtyard, and I had in my hand a bilingual Bible. It was English on one side and Spanish the other, and I was isolated with a prisoner where the fence was separating us, and I'm, I'm trying to share Christ with him in, in my broken Spanish, and I did know, Murió, uh, Cristo murió en la cruz por tus pecados. Did I get that right? They are Spanish-speaking friends. But that's about all I knew. But I did know the Romans road. And so as I opened the scriptures, I took the individual through the Romans road in Spanish and had them read the words of God printed, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And as I had this individual read, I began to notice him begin to weep and tears were coming down his face. And I called a person over that could do the translation. And that day he came to know Christ. Why? Not because of my eloquent words, not because of my great argument 
argument as to the existence of God. He came to Christ because the Holy Spirit pierced his heart by the Word of God. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing this, he says in verse 14, chapter 10, for then will they call on him whom they not have believed? And how will they believe on him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone proclaiming? And how are they to proclaim unless they are sent? You see, it's the message of God. It's the message of the gospel. And we can take the position, well, you know, I just want to love them into the kingdom. And God may use that. He can use everything. But faith comes by hearing and that of the word of God. You see, we live in a culture today that is very spiritual. You ask someone, are, are you a believer? Are you a Christian? Oftentimes, you'll get the response, well, I'm spiritual. My goodness, every one of us are spiritual. We've been created with the Spirit. God has put that in us as we were created in His image. But you and I, before we came to know Christ, that Spirit was dead. The old man, the Bible refers to that. They're dead to God. And apart from God awakening that spirit and causing us to be born again, no one will see the kingdom of God. I love what Warren Wearsby said one time. I was listening to his radio show, and there was a lady that had written him to criticize his pronunciation of the the Pharisee named Nicodemus. We know the story where he comes to Jesus at night. And he would pronounce his name Nicodemus. How many of you remember uh, J. Vernon McGee? It was J. Vernon McGee. You remember J. Vernon? I woke up at 2.30 this morning, so forgive me, okay? I was praying, Lord Jesus, help me fall back asleep. So I'm a little foggy. J. Vernon McGee, if you heard him, he's deep southern accent. So he's reading the letter how she was criticizing how he pronounced Nicodemus, and he said on the air, he said, you know, I don't care if it's pronounced Nicodemus or Nicodemus, he still had to be born again. You see, no one will see eternity in the kingdom of God unless they are born again of his kingdom. The Bible teaches very clearly that there is another kingdom and it is governed and ruled by Satan and his demons. And citizens of that kingdom will spend an eternity separated from God in hell, separated from God. And so the imperative for you and I is to recognize that every individual you and I meet, they're a part of one kingdom or the other. They're either a part of the kingdom of Christ or they're a part of the kingdom of Satan. And God has commissioned, God has called us by his grace that we might be able to share the story in which we came to know Christ. The third point in this message is that he called them to trust in God. Look at verse 3. He says, go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, that's not to say that every unbeliever you and I may come across is going to ravage us like a wolf ravages a lamb. However, I think on the other hand that Jesus specifically uses the demeanor of the lamb as it goes out among the wolves. 
You see, the lamb is known as a gentle beast. It's known as a gentle animal. It's known as, as one that will go on their way. And he's calling us, I think, in the methodology that we use to share the gospel is that we come in love like a lamb to those who potentially could bring damage or harm to us as wolves. But you and I are going to go, blessed are the meek, right? For they shall inherit the kingdom of God. I've witnessed some individuals that go out with a double-barrel shotgun and try to hold individuals at hostage and at bay until they convert. We realized that didn't work. You remember the Crusades? You see, it's by God's grace, and so God has called us out. And by the way, side note, parentheses, is this, if this is you, please don't be offended, but hateful social media postings will not bring anyone to Christ. It usually serves to harden the heart and give fodder to them to say, that's why I don't like those folks. Oftentimes, it's said that the church, the body of Christ, is known for more than what they are against or who they are against than they are who they are for, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The only harsh words Jesus said in all of his gospels were for the religious Pharisees of his day. And they were the guys that walked around adding rules to the laws and the commands of God and imposing that on others. And we might say sometimes, slap a big P on me for a Pharisee, right? But he calls us to share the gospel in truth, never shying away from the truth, but also in love. So he calls us to trust God. He tells him, don't take all these other things along with you. But I, want, I, think, I, I think I see in this, he's, he's wanting to cause them to trust him, not only in their sharing of the message, but to trust him for their provision along the way. The fourth thing is this. There are some who will be accepting to the gospel message or to your story Notice I didn't say recept, receiving it, but they will be accepting of it. And he gives them instructions here. I want you to look at this. He says, he says in verse 5, whatever house you, you're in, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Let me give you some practical application on this. I like to frequent the same establishments over and over and over. I'm not talking about the sandwich factory. I frequent there because the food's good. But recently, I, I think I shared this, but I'll share it again. Recently, I changed from the gym that I was in to another gym to work out. And my sole purpose in going to this gym to begin to exercise in that gym was that I knew it was new ground. And as I go to the gym, when I pray, I'm asking God, God, find me a person of peace. In particular, can I tell you what I'm asking? I'm asking God to show me persons of peace in the immediate neighborhoods that surround our church. And I know that the gym is very close here, and it has a lot of clientele from these neighborhoods. And I've met two men now that I'm considering persons of peace. Neither one of them know the Lord. They know what I do. Their language changed after they find, found out that I was a pastor. 
but I want to build relationship with them so that I might have the opportunity to share my story with them, how Jesus saved me so many years ago when I was lost and separated, and it was by his grace. Please don't get offended by this statement, but I'm about the only white boy in the gym. Now, I've done that intentionally. Why? Because that is the community predominantly that is around here. And I want to engage with those, to break down those barriers if I can, but those barriers are only broken down through the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's the commonality that all in the body of Christ have is the cross of Jesus. The world and politicians try to separate us so they can gin up their vote. Don't fall, pray to it. Amen or oh my? You see, they're concerned about power. I'm concerned about power in the cross of Jesus Christ. So last Thursday night, Sandy and I were at our anniversary dinner at Capitol Grill, a dining experience, not just a dinner. But as, as, as intentional as, as this isn't a... Always looking for, God, where's the opportunity that you're going to place before us? You see, we all are called to be Christ ambassadors. Now, what does an ambassador do? Somebody shout it out. What does an ambassador do? Represents the president of the United States. And Paul says that we are ambassadors of Christ. I'm not an ambassador of the president of the United States. I'm not an ambassador of a political party. I am not an ambassador of a social movement. You and I are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And that's first and foremost in our hearts as believers. And so as we're there enjoying the experience, there was a a young man that, that was waiting on us, and if I called his name, I'd botch it up. Y'all know I don't remember names. What was his name? Austin. Okay, thank you. I was going to call him Dexter. <laughs> and so as, as, as Providence would have it, we began to connect with Austin, very great young man, same age as our son. And in the story, we're... we're obnoxious grandparents who are showing them pictures of all of our grandkids. And he begins to tell us that he has a child, also three years of age. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, there's always something that comes about in a man's heart when he has a child, right? His worldview begins to change. And so I use that as an opportunity to begin to share with him our story, how 39 years ago, we didn't know Christ, but God had saved us. And you know what? It turns out that, that it seems as though Austin had a, had a very dedicated mother that loves the Lord and loves Jesus Christ. And he's been away from church for all of these years. Well, through the course of about a two and a half hour conversation intermixed with him, he made the determination, you know what? I'm going to call mom and I'm going to be back in church this week. You see, I don't know if he knows Christ or not, but, but I know that God, while we were going to have a good dinner and it was good, 
It was a wonderful experience. As a believer, the first thing that God is leading us to is to be his ambassador wherever we go. This last week, I went to the eye doctor. Maurice, thank you for referring me to the most expensive eye doctor in all of Conyers. But as I'm, I'm talking to the young lady who's fitting me for the glasses, and, and I didn't complain about the price because I'm thinking I don't want to sound like an ogre because I'm about to be able to share Christ with this lady. I'll wait and put an anonymous post on their thing later. No, just teasing. So in the conversation, and, and, and remember, she's working. She doesn't have time to engage in deep conversation, Right? So I'm praying, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how can I, how can I begin to, to either share Christ with her or at a minimum, see if she has a place to worship locally? She'd only been here three years. And so I asked her, I said, do you have a place where you worship? And she said, no, I hadn't, hadn't been in church in a while. I said, well, you know what? I happen to worship down at First, First Conyers, First Baptist Church on the left. I didn't say I'm the pastor there because I didn't want to shut down the conversation. And I always like to say I'm a member here first. I'm a member here because I believe in the mission and I believe the Word of God and God's called us together collectively. It is not a job. Began to share with her and the other lady comes up. She hears me talking about my, my, my bride in 39 years and I'm being an obnoxious grandpappy. It's okay to be an obnoxious poppy, isn't it? And you're thinking, nobody wants to see the pictures of your kids. Yeah, they do. Whether they want to or not, they're going to see them. I got a commitment from both gals who both are unchurched right now. I don't know where they are in their relationship, but next Sunday they promised me they would be here. I'm not sharing these stories so that I can make myself look good by any means. I'm sharing these stories to say, listen, God has placed us in this community now for almost 189 years to be a light and a witness to the community. However that community is made up, God has placed this body here so that we might be salt and light so that others may come into the kingdom of God. Pray and ask God to give you opportunities to share your story. The next point is this, acceptance, verse 7. Uh, he, he says that some will accept you. Look for that person of peace. You see, there are going to be those that we encounter who may be receptive to the message, although that time may not be there, or you may not have time to unfold the whole gospel message to them. You see, I'm convinced that God is a mighty, mighty, mighty God. And I believe it when he says, my word will not return to me empty. That the Holy Spirit uses that implanted word as we share either our story of how we came to know Christ or we're able to get through a gospel presentation that God uses that and he will use it to draw them to faith in Christ or at least at a minimum cause them to be confronted with it. I, I, I reflected on the events of this last month. 
You've all seen the headlines, and I'm not going to go deep into them and to give causes and to give what our response needs to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have my opinions of that, but that's only my opinion. You can take it, leave it, chunk it, or flush it. It means nothing to you except to me, right? Unless you agree with my opinion, right? But as I thought just in the month of April, in Chicago itself, 52 young men lost their lives due to violence. Philadelphia, there were 30-something, I can't remember. And in May 12th, the horrific shooting that took place of this young man at 18 years of age. And in this last week, the horrific event in Texas. And we can start asking questions and, and, and the debates over all of that, and there's a place for that, but not from this pulpit. What I'm beginning to recognize is that in our culture, we have a prevailing culture and mindset that, that is a, it is a God-conscious-less culture. It's a God-conscious-less culture. No longer is the church a viable witness, I'm afraid, to declaring the gospel. And the gospel includes and entails that, that we are all sinners separated from God. But God has made a way that we might have a relationship with him and have our sins forgiven and have new life in Christ because there is a judgment coming. Now, I know in church growth movements, it is not popular to speak of the judgment of God. But it declares it. You see, well, there's not a consciousness of the judgment of God because of our violations against God, His character, His nature, and His law, then we disregard any thought of consequences in an eternal manner. So a part of the gospel message is yes, that God loves you and God sent His one and only Son so that you might have forgiveness of sins if you trust him. But what he has saved us from, right? What good does it call to be saved if we don't know what we're saved from? I and you have been saved from eternal damnation, separated from God for all of eternity, not because of anything that we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. Not only do we live in a society where it seems to be that there's a God-conscious-less culture, but I'm afraid that in many arenas it has permeated the church and the body of Christ as well. We want to come here, Jesus saved me. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. 
All to Jesus I surrender. But not this. All to him I freely give. That's why the body of Christ oftentimes is reflected or has a reflection no different than the world in the, in the actions and the living out of those that are part of the body of Christ Monday through Saturday. Now, I'm not, I'm not throwing stones here. I'm just saying, folks, we got to recognize and realize that there is a God who judges. He will judge the living and the dead. I love what someone said this right here. It said, people everywhere need Christ. The question is, whom shall I send as a messenger to my people? Whom will go for us? As he's quoting Isaiah 6. He says that we are designed to share in God's glory, meaning mankind is designed to share in God's glory and intimacy because we've been created in the image of God and there's that intimacy in the Trinity and God has created us so that we might have intimacy with him. Calvin put it this way, that there's a sense of deity written into every heart. The writer of Ecclesiastes says that God has placed eternity in every heart. There's not a human being on the face of the earth that does not long to be in relationship and know the living God. The unfortunate thing is there's so many other things that they go to from this day and that day to try to fill that void. But God has given us the message to share with them. And he says, rarely, this rarely happens unless the messenger goes and tells the story. God's commissioned us to go and tell the story. There'll be some that reject it, verses 10 to 12. They're rejecting the message, not us, although they may reject us. Let me just conclude with this. Zach, I'm going to ask you to come and lead us in a closing song. How good is your story? I, I don't mean how good is your story? Did you rob 20 banks and murder seven people and spend most of your life incarcerated? Sometimes we think that's the greatest testimony. How good is your story? How good is your story to you? Are you thankful that there was a point and there was a time in your life that regardless of the circumstances, maybe there were great circumstances, maybe there were bad circumstances, are you glad that you came to the place that you recognize that you are utterly sinful to your very core? And you recognize that there's this God who is holy. And, and you recognize that it's true, God, you've placed eternity in my heart, God. 
And God, I know that there's absolutely nothing. I've tried all of the programs. I've gone to the bookstore and my shelf is full of self-help psycho babble, but it hadn't done any good. But you turn your eyes to Jesus and you look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth grew strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. You see, as I said last week, for you and I to witness to be salt and light, the greatest motivation for you and I is to reflect on that time when Jesus saved us. That's what I want to do in closing this morning. I want to ask you to just stay right where you are as Zach leads in this closing song. And go back to that moment. Maybe it was a season. Maybe it was a very day you can remember the hour and the time. Maybe it was over a period of time. You're not sure exactly. But you know that all of a sudden your life changed. And reflect on God's goodness and His grace and His mercy and His love. And as you reflect on that, ask God to give you every opportunity or make you recognize every opportunity and to be intentional to share that story in the coming week. Next week, we're going to have a Sunday that is particularly designed for those that are prodigals. How many of you have a prodigal in your life? It's a prodigal son, daughter, nephew, friend. How many have had prodigals? Praying next week. Pastor Butch is initiating something where every month we're going to begin praying for prodigals and believing God to see prodigals come back to the Father. If that's you, I want to encourage you to invite that person to be with you next week in service. Share with them maybe the recording of the service. Be praying for that person this week and ask God to save that prodigal just as he saved you. So let's reflect on this and then Pastor Zach will close out the service. If you're a guest, I want to meet you in the corner over here next to the library. But if there's a decision you need to make this morning, maybe you've never trusted Christ. If you're watching online and you've never trusted Christ, I'd encourage you to indicate that on the comment section and we will get back with you and tell you how you can have an everlasting relationship to God through Christ. Whatever decision it is you need to make today, don't leave here without making that decision. My mentor used to say that the Word of God should always have an effect. It should either make us mad glad or sad. The Word of God was preached this morning. He calls us to respond to Him. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.